And this is Ryan. And you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, and playing podcast. Let's get ready to podcast. Wow, that was <laughs> way... When you did that before we started recording, it was really epic. Yeah, I was like, that was let's terrible. get ready to podcast. There we go. There we go. All right. Uh, oh my Ryan gosh, and, so corny. Ryan and his wife are... Talking about the fact that I'm apparently wearing all green today. Oh, it's not apparent that you're wearing all green. You are wearing all green. You've what got is a this, green, a fashion podcast? You've got a green shirt and green shorts on. Yeah. Uh, you don't have any shoes on. I'm assuming you're wearing green underwear. Um, Let's, yeah, he is definitely wearing green underwear. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just complete the image here. So I have this. Uh, this is so dumb. What is Why it, St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, yeah, in July. Yeah. Um, I have these shorts. I actually have a pair of these and another one in blue. Uh-huh. And having green green shorts, and they actually make these in, like, other, like, red and orange. No I kidding. I didn't get those colors. Um, they make shirts. They but, make shorts in different colors. I know. It's weird. Huh. But having green shorts has made it, like, really weird to, like, really difficult to, like, choose what colors to wear, like, what color shirt to wear. For example, whenever I wear a red shirt with these shorts, like, pe- it happened to me once and ever since then, I'm like, Christmas. People are like, oh, you think it's Christmas in July, stupid? <laughs> I'm like, what? They call you stupid? No. <laughs> Actually, I wore, I think I wore a red shirt on Tuesday and no one said anything and I was really surprised, but I've gotten comments before. Or like, uh, I wore... I don't remember what the color combination was, but I wore some color combination uh, during football season. And someone's like, oh, are you supporting the Seahawks today? Oh, yeah, that's the worst. And I'm like, no, I grabbed a pair of pants and a shirt. And, yeah. like, and I mean, people know that I'm really, like, sports savvy, but I just wasn't. I don't pick my clothing based on sports teams usually. I have a funny, unless it's obvious. I have a funny sports story. Oh, no. Uh, so... What was like? Is a, it really funny, or am yeah. I just going to feel like, insulted? Like afterwards? a week and a half ago, I was over at uh, at Salvage Custom working on some stuff with Daniel, and it was just me and him in there, and neither of us are sports guys. Like, at wait, all. is this a real week and a half ago? Yeah, real week. No, it was podcast time a week and a half oh, okay. ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, and this guy came up to like the warehouse door like in a business suit and he had stuff in his hands and Daniel went to go talk to him and then Daniel came back like a second later and I was like what was that for and he's like that guy was trying to sell his Padres tickets and I was like he came to the wrong place oh my gosh <laughs> now like, I want to know how much he was selling them for because I might have wanted yeah, to go if you had been there then it would have been perfect but it's like he, he probably walked up to this place he saw two great big bearded dudes working on lumber and wood and saws and stuff and he's like Oh, I've got it. I've got a sale. These I, guys I these guys are gonna buy so many sports tickets from me. But we're like, nope. It's it's the beard has invaded professional baseball. I'm sure. There's a lot of guys rocking like extreme beards right now. Yeah. Uh I so, wouldn't know, I know, but well, I would. Yeah. But going back to the clothes, I, I hate it like because I've got some new balances that are green and have like some other colors on it and someone right. asked me a while back like oh what team is that for oh really and i was like uh team feet yeah for my just, feet you just be like i really like the green team yeah green team go greens whenever there's a competition where like they break it down and like if there's a team that's wearing green i cheer for that team right like if it's i really like it when teams are like red blue green and yellow because it makes it really easy for me to pick my favorite team yeah totally yeah. Wasn't there like a because I do a Super Bowl party some years just for the the food and the beer? Uh, wasn't there like an All Birds Super Bowl a couple of years back? Where's all bird teams? Um, not I that remember. I can remember offhand. I, I have know. a vague memory of that, and I was just excited because I was like, "Go birds! Oh. I love these birds." Well, at the fal- the I hope the birds win at the, at the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there was an all birds one, but this past year was Seahawks and Broncos, those birds and horses. Yeah. And then I remember a few years ago, 
It was uh, Cardinals and Saints, which is birds and Catholics. Yeah, birds versus Catholics. Birds versus, and that eight. That eight. Or no, that doesn't make sense. It couldn't. Have, it wasn't Cardinals Saints. It was Cardinals Steelers. I think. So it was uh, birds versus iron workers. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> that it seems was like there's almost always birds involved. I think the I think that one the Cardinals I think it was Cardinals Steelers was the first Super Bowl. It was the first one at the Odell House. Uh-huh. It was the one where actually it was the one where uh, no it was Saints and somebody it was the one where Kenny was there. Kenneth Gregory from the uh-huh. group, and he was like yelling the whole time, and I thought it was hilarious. Because, I don't remember this because that's like my wheelhouse for sports. Like I love getting pumped about sports. I, uh-huh. I love like and I love being in like a room where somebody else is getting really crazy about sports because uh-huh. I feel really comfortable in that environment. But I remember like so we were in the living room there, and people in the kitchen are like, "What's wrong with that guy?" <laughs> and I, like I said, I get it, but like you right. know, like you said, you're. Your part, like the parties, the Super Bowl parties that you and your family have always thrown, have always been like they've been great parties. But it's all about the food. It's all about the food. It's about the food, and like it's, it's having re- an excuse to get together. Yeah, it's a reason to hang out between uh, between you know Christmas or New Year's and sure. and I mean after Super Bowl, what's the next party? Like Memorial Day? Yeah, I throw so, crazy Memorial oh Day my parties. Gosh, oh the man, best. we memorialize the hell out of it so hard. <laughs> We will memorialize so, so hard. hard. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to ads. Yeah, you didn't give me an ad for this week. Uh, I didn't? No, you have all the ads. Here, I'm going to pass you. Do you remember the story for this one? Vaguely. Okay, I'll let you recap it. All right. I wish that I had printed out. Are we doing this first? Yeah, let's do it all first. Right. I wish I had printed out the full ad when it was available. Uh, but you, you you say what you remember about it. This is from John. It's from John. Okay, this is from John. Pay Argetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is missing pedal board. So he posted this on the group, and it's in Fishtown. Is there really a place in New Jersey called Fishtown? Yeah, it's where the fish live. Okay. <laughs> Duh. All right. Uh, so it's missing pedal board, and the only thing that Ryan screenshotted was the picture, and it says. Okay, bear with me because I'm not sure if I did the right thing here. Yeah, and it's a it's a that's picture of a pedal board that's over one of the pedals. There's a big blue square with a question mark. Yeah, I think this is a a pedal train two, maybe pedal train. Maybe it's a pedal train one. Regardless, uh, not important. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a pedal train, and it's got a wah and a. DS1 and a carbon copy and a tuner. It's got some coily cables uh, and a Voodoo Labs Pedal Power 2. Uh-huh. So just the Pedal Power 2 and the board by itself is like $175. Sure. That's probably like $250 to $300 worth yeah. of stuff there. So apparently, if I remember correctly, the person who posted this ad said that they ran into a like a homeless person. I think he called them a tweaker. A tweaker. But weren't yeah. they also like homeless? I I don't know. It was like remember. a person. I thought it was like a person on the street. He ran into someone who uh, was in a rough sort, right? And uh, so they wanted two hundred dollars for this board, and the guy's like, "I'll give you fifty five bucks." Yeah, and he he gave this guy fifty five bucks again. Uh, Crybaby DS one carbon copy TU two pedal power. Uh, you know what? This might not be the pedal power two. I think this is like the four by four, but still, still it's a I good mean, that value. Car- that carbon copy like used, that's 130 yeah. bucks. Um, and a mystery pedal. Yeah. And basically this guy, uh, this is kind of neat actually. And this is a really classy move. I thought uh-huh. is he posted the board on Craigslist. He said missing pedal board, basically assuming that this tweaker, uh, had stolen the board or something or found it somewhere or found it somewhere. Um, and so he put up on Craigslist and he blocked out the missing board the missing or pedal. the missing pedal and said, if you can name what the pedal is, I will, I will return this to you. Yeah. Basically for $55 because that's what he paid for it, which I mean, that's fair. Like sure. you get your board back. I, yeah. it's, it's a net zero proposition. Yeah. You know, there's no gain and uh, it's really classy. I really like, um, I thought it was really neat. 
I guarantee you, like, this guy got, like, a hundred emails. Well, he said, like, just people guessing what it was. If I, I wish I had been able to print out the whole thing before it got taken down. Uh, but he said that people had been emailing him with guesses. Right. And that he, you know, like, didn't want that sort of thing. He's trying to find the original owner. So this guy legitimately is trying to help somebody. He's, yeah. It's a really classy move on his part. Uh, I know people who have had pedal boards and pieces of gear stolen and like they never get them back it is you know i wanted to email this guy and have him update us right on what happened yeah but we like just it, didn't get on yeah. get on it it wasn't up for very long no it was so. up for like four hours and i was out of the house so i didn't get a chance to uh do a proper screen grab of everything and to get his contact info and whatnot but i hope that that he did connect, get connected with the owner of it. Yeah. Uh, do you have any guesses on what's underneath there? Well, based on signal path and the size of the blockout square, uh huh. Um, I don't know. Like, I want to say like it's some kind of dual pedal, like an FD two. But then it seems weird to put an FD two after a DS one. Um. I really have no idea. I looked at it for a while and like I just figured it was some double. Um, maybe it's some Strymon. Maybe it's. Uh, I don't think so. Wrong shape. Uh, wrong. Wrong place in the signal path. Well, not if it was like a trem. The trem, like the what's the trem? Yeah. The flint? No, you don't want to put that before a drive, though. No, it's after. Is it? Hand it to me. Oh, I guess you're right. It's in between the DS1. Uh, my thought that it was that it was another drive. Uh, you can tell from the shadow and the size of the box that it's about as twice as big as the DS1. Yeah. I kind of had in my head that it was like one of those uh, Joyo like, uh, amp sim pedals. Oh, that would be interesting. Maybe it's just like a... No, that's too small to be a DL4. Um, or something from that series. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think something along that size of one of those Joyo pedals is what's there, or it might even be like a like an electro harmonics sort of bigger pedal, right? Like a uh, like a memory toy or memory boy, or yeah. or even a big muff or something like that. You know, what if it? I mean, the rest of this board looks really boring. Like it's all these I mean, common pedals. But what it, if it was like an electric mistress? Yeah, the thing that you could used to help narrow it down is it looks like the patch cables are going in from the sides on it. Oh, yeah? So the patch cables aren't going in from the top, which takes out the electric mistress, I'm sure. Because that's got yeah. the, the things at the top. Yeah. But then a big muff could fit there. I don't know. I mean, it could be a lot of different stuff. I'm sure this guy got 200 guesses and not a single one was right. He probably yeah. knowingly picked something that was kind of like obscure obscure enough that people weren't just going to randomly guess it something like this like he probably i mean if he really wanted to ensure it and i'm sure like i wouldn't have thought of i just thought of this right now and i've been thinking about this board for like a week Uh um would have been to like box out multiple pedals and be Mm. like and be like these are if you know your board you know what's on it right so you know if he would have just blocked out like either the front end of the path or the back end of the path and be like right tell me like if you can guess if you can tell me like what three of the four pedals are like two of the three pedals are under under like the right side of this board i will sell you this board it looks like there's some kind of unique marking on the ds1 too well i think that's might be either an analog man uh, mod or so what I would have Something done like that. is I would have blocked out the DS1. Yeah. yeah. It does look modded, and I would be like, what's under there? And then if someone said DS1, but they didn't say anything else about it, you would be like, okay, I know that that was just a lucky guess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, and so I mean, we don't know. It could be something like that under that. It could be, you know, uh, some modded something or other that's just big. Yeah. I don't, it could be so many different things. Right. There's so many things that, that could be. It's a really cool, like I said, it's a really cool ad. Yeah, I hope the guy got connected with the original owner. If not, uh, he deserves to uh, part out that board and profit off of it. Yeah. Uh, I've got one other ad here. 
this kind of caught my attention. It's a uh, it's a new model of Dan Electro that has come out recently, but this right. is listed on our local Craigslist by a uh, by a retailer. It's a Dan Electro D59M-NOS guitar, new old stock pickups. And I had to look up information on this guitar because I hadn't heard of it. Uh, apparently, uh, the guys over at Dan Electro stumbled upon a box of pickups from their 90s reissues right. that just never got put into anything. So these are 15-year-old pickups, and now they're putting them in guitars and pushing it as that being a really great thing. Do people think that those pickups are really good? I don't I've never heard anyone say, "Oh man, you really got to get those 90s Dan Electro pickups." This just sounds stupid. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh I honestly think the new Dan Electro pickups are pretty neat. Have you have did you throw I don't know if you've if you've been on there recently. Are you still on Surf Guitar 101? Yeah. Yeah. Have they made any noise about this? Or? No, no. I mean, lipstick pickups aren't really even a thing in the surf community. Oh, really? Yeah, not really. Uh, I mean, every now and then someone gets into them, but it's... Right. But some, the thing that I think is really interesting about this guitar, though, is the aesthetics are nice. It's this all-white sort of thing. Oh, it looks classy. I really like uh, what they've been doing with the body styles and the, the details on the new Dan Electro guitars. They did this really neat thing. Usually they have these kind of quirky uh, bridges on Dan Electro's that have like a plate of metal with a piece of wood as the saddle piece. Right. Uh, this has like a stop tail tunomatic uh, that is set into the body so it'll be at the level of a regular uh, Dan Electro bridge. So... Like, it's got a route out of the top of the body that the bridge sits down into, so it'll be at a lower level. But then you get the stability and kind of the great big metal block that you get out of a tunomatic. Right. Tunomatic. <laughs> that was miserable. Uh, so that's a really interesting feature. I would be interested to, to pick one of these up in a store and see what it feels like. Uh, but it just looks really classy. I don't know about those pickups. I'm sure they're fine. It's just a weird selling thing to be yeah. like, oh, 15-year-old pickups when, you know, the 90s pickups, no one was like, these are the best. But no, yeah. one, no one said that they were the worst. Well, it's just a weird thing. Can you imagine, like, I just I mean, can't th- imagine Fenders putting out a Mexican Strat with new old stock pickups from, like, 1995. Yeah. I can't imagine Gibson rolling out, oh, new old stock pickups that are this, you know, the 1997 version of the 498. Yeah. Like, it, it's just nonsense. If there's anything to pickups aging, I, you know, I'm sure there's people out there who claim that, you know, pickups will age in sure. a positive way just by sitting there. But I think most of pickup aging comes from, you know, years of sweat dripping down oh, into yeah. them. Absolutely. And vibration knocking wax off of, off of the windings yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of the guys that are into, like, true like old pickups like old uh-huh. microphonic pickups it's all about the tone that you get from like beating the crap out of that right. pickup it's bouncing for around in the years. case or like knocking and stuff and, and I, I actually remember a few years ago watching a tutorial i think it was a tutorial where a guy took like a brand new pickup uh-huh and like would just like throw it on the ground over and over again, <laughs> and like smash it with a hammer uh, and do all these terrible things. Do to try it. this at home. And his goal was to like <laughs> get like basically try to like recreate like a sixty like a sixties pickup. Like a, I think it was like a, from a Gibson guitar. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But his goal was to try to recreate like that classic like vintage pickup sound by taking a new like a brand new PAF and just beating the living daylights out of it first. You could probably mimic agings in some way if you, like, strapped a pickup to an orbital sander and just let it run for a while. Oh, yeah. And just, just like, let it vibrate? Just let it vibrate for well, half an it, hour? It's almost like that's what people do. Is, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but people... With Martins? ...will do that with uh, guitars. Yeah. Where they put, like, their guitar in front of a speaker and they have some, like, tone generator hooked up to the speaker. Yeah. Like an oscillator, uh, an, um, an oscilloscope that it will generate a tone. And they'll just, like, freaking pound their guitar with... For, like, three days straight. Yeah. The thing that, that I... That re- stuff is goofy. I, I've always heard that, like, Martin owners do that. Like, oh, like, you're... 
your Martin doesn't really come alive until it's gone through this many hours yeah. of of a you know sonic baptism. You know. <laughs> so this says that those pickups were lost in shipping. I realize Dan Electro has been off and on for like yeah decades, and I think part of that is what makes us so sketchy. If I buy a brand new Gibson Les Paul Studio with four of uh, the four ninety eight four ninety combination, in my mind, the thought process is that these pickups, whether I buy them brand new or whether I buy them on a Les Paul Studio from nineteen ninety four, Gibson hasn't changed the way that they're making right. these pickups. If I buy a Seymour Duncan pickup that's brand new versus one that's fifteen years old, my expectation is that they would be the same. So, in the course of 15 years, has Dan Electro like shut down and rebooted so many times that they actually have new old stock pickups in 15 know. years? Like, that's just... It, it's just I, a I goofy thing. I can't wrap my brain around it. They, they found them and they're like, well, you know, our new pickups look a little different. We can't... You know, people will notice that these are different, so let's use it as a marketing thing, I guess. Yeah. Again, um... I really like the bridge on this. I really like the wraparound tailpiece. I like the way this looks. Um, The wraparound tailpiece does... I actually... I should have pulled it out. I think my Les Paul Jr. has the same style tailpiece. It might. Um, I don't know. That's a really solid design. That Les Paul Jr. I bought, and it's basically been in my closet for the last year. Oh, man. I bought it, and it went straight into my closet. Um but I think this is a lot better looking than what Dan Electro was rolling out. Like, was it two, a year or two ago when they had like the Sunna 67 or whatever? Uh-huh. Is it 67? Yeah, yeah. The Dead on 67. Dead on 67. Yeah. That's what it's called. And they rolled something else out at the same time. And like the trim looked like something you would have assembled from spare parts oh, from was, Home Depot. It was miserable. And just from the pictures of that, I looked at him like, this is a piece of crap. Yeah. This the the new DC fifty nines. I'm not. I've never been a big fan of the Dan Electro double cut. Uh huh. But at least the guitar looks well built. Yeah. So they're, I think they're I'll doing a really good job on on the details these days. Yeah. What's that on your lap there, Ryan? Uh, I've got one other ad that we can throw in there. This is that uh, Melody Maker I found a while back ago. Oh right. That has a, a Floyd Rose hacked into it. Yeah. This was cool. Yeah. Uh, this is this was up on eBay for five hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, it's a nineteen ninety five Melody Maker, which you know, I mean, if you're going to get a Melody Maker, you probably want to get a sixties one or fifties right. one. I, this is the double cut too, which is like. Well, I like the double cut. I, it's okay. Some people prefer the single, but I just thought it was funny that someone went to the trouble of of it, what looks like expertly. Hacking a Floyd Rose tremolo into this, right? Uh, the Melody Makers, this one, anyways, uh, the, from '95 is a reissue of a student model that Gibson would make that had just a very thin, uh, lightweight, like plank body. They would stick like uh, Gibson's own uh, single coil design pickups in there, and it was just a really funky take on like a Les Paul sort of shape. Yeah. Uh, and they would be a student model, but a lot of people really like them for what they are because yeah, well, it's it's a Gibson f- uh, that is lightweight and actually sounds really nice, you know? Yeah, a lot of people like... So I never was... I've, I've kind of shifted my position over the years, but when I was first playing guitar... I, it took a really long time for me to get into the Les Paul sound. Uh-huh. But what I actually... The the one that I remember really falling in love with, um, though I never owned one, I'm always looking for them, was the... Do you remember the Les Paul Special SL? Uh, I don't think so. so. Explain it to me. Gibson did these Les Pauls in like the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, that were all... There were these... It was a series of Les Paul Specials that were all like just single slab bodies and they would either be dual humbucker or dual p90 okay. and they were a little thinner and like so the full like les paul sound whenever i would play a les paul i would just feel like it just had this like overly midi yeah humbucker sound and uh 
I felt like the Les Paul specials because they didn't have as thick. I don't know if they had this as thick of a body. I think they had a slightly thinner body. They didn't have a maple cap, so the body was thinner. I just right. don't know if the mahogany portion was actually thinner. Right. But the guitars themselves, I felt like had a much more uh, aggressive, bright tone to them. Sure, a little bit more bite. And being as I talked about in the last podcast, like I kind of. For me, like my musical coming out, I guess, as a musician was really in like the pop punk, uh-huh. punk rock scene of like the late 90s, early 2000s. That bright, aggressive tone was something I was really like, oh, I can do this. Even though all the a lot of the bands I was listening to were like all about Les Pauls, I just like something about that sound I just couldn't appreciate at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the Melody Maker is kind of in that vibe. The headstock is weird to me. I don't. I don't know. It's that, that oh, yeah. skinny headstock. But it's, at least it has the Gibson like book head uh, cut on it instead of like an Epiphone. Yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. And I mean, it is a made in the USA guitar. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So typically, the the Melody Makers are a, a solid guitar. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the guy in my band, my other guitarist, he has one. Oh really? And uh, it's it's really great guitar. It's a, like I said, they're really lightweight. They're like it's like featherweight against your body, basically. Right. But at the same time, it's pretty well balanced. Like it doesn't neck dive too much. Yeah. It's got you know a full on Gibson neck on there. It feels great. Yeah. And he has one that's a uh, this actually I think it's from the '60s. I think. Oh, cool. So, so it's, it's not one of the reissues. No, it's not a reissue. It's an actual like it's old the, school. It's the real deal. The uh, the original ones too. Some of them would come with uh, one of the funky like vibrola uh, tremolos on them. Yeah. And I, I think those are kind of neat too. Well, I always I thought the Les Paul edit on this was, or the sorry, the Les Paul, <laughs> the Floyd Rose, the Floyd Rose edit on this was really, or the edition on this was really crazy. Um, are a, these the original pickups? Do you remember those? Those should be the original pickups. Okay. Yeah, they look a little different, but I mean, yeah. Well, they did their they, own design changed, of single coil. Yeah, on they've them. changed different single coil pickups over the years and I guess maybe like this doesn't look like the Gibson single coil that I'm used to Uh but it wouldn't surprise me if during the 90s they threw something different in it and then like when they did the the next set of reissues that I'm familiar with in the early 2000s that they reverted back to the 60s style single coil I really wanted one of those SG's that came with single coils do you remember when those came out yeah. I thought those were great. Was that the... It was like the SG Junior? Something like that. They did They did the one with single coil. The one that... The first SG I remember seeing that I thought was really cool. I don't know if he listens to our podcast. Um, but Josh Cass had an SGX. Uh-huh. Do you remember those? Is that one of the... Like the 24 fret ones? Yeah. It's the yeah. 24 fret... I think it had like an EMG and only one pickup EMG. I think it was an EMG in the bridge position. Yeah. And uh, I always like, I remember seeing his band um, back when, like this was first when I was getting into the music scene. Uh, and I thought like, oh man, that guitar looks rad. Like there's something about it. That yeah, just, totally. It looked really cool. And uh, every once in a while I actually see, I've seen those SGXs come up on Craigslist for like dirt cheap because yeah. they're just such a one-off model. It's just neat to have 24 frets on those things too. They are, you know, like a SG already has crazy yeah. fret access oh, yeah. and you throw a couple extra frets in there. That's great. You know what? I think I, I don't know if I'm, I might be mixing stories, but I feel like I heard that, that, that Josh's SGX got destroyed. Oh, that it got like somebody tried to like guitar flip it. Uh, and it died in the process. That's that's a sad story. I don't know if it's true. I could be. <laughs> I could be. Like I said, I could be mixing stories. I've I've heard my fair share of guitar guitars breaking in half. From yeah. Me. Do you remember that band we played with uh, called like Zombie Fuzz or Zombie oh, yeah, Sex yeah. Fuzz or the one the ones that Zombie that Sex smashed up a guitar and then distributed the pieces. Or yeah, something? they smashed up. Uh, they smashed up like a this Samic SG copy. Uh huh. It was like they, a bolt on well, neck sort of deal. They threw it in the trash afterwards, and then some kid that we knew. I want to say, do you remember Mike? Mike McKenna. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Mike went and like fished it out of the garbage and was showing it to us, and we're like, dude, put that thing back together. Yeah, no that's kidding. rad. 
or like, because I mean the Samic stuff in like the early 2000s is pretty much the same as Epiphone sure um yeah, he went and fished that. I don't know if it was him, but it was somebody we knew when I think he was at up. that show. I don't know if it was him, though. Yeah, I remember, but I remember watching them do that, and I was thinking the same thing like, yeah, what are they going to do with those parts? Because yeah. I want them. I mean, there's pickups in there, yeah. there's pots, there's and knobs, I remember, there's I remember telling some kid, like, that someone, someone I knew that played guitar, some kid that was at our show, like, like dude, those are good parts. Like, yeah. Somebody needs to go get those parts and put it in a new guitar or reassemble. Or just put like, them in a box until you need them. Yeah, glue that thing back together. Like, those are going to... They're not great pickups, but... Again, like I said, it's Samick. Samick was making Epiphone stuff at the time. Samick was making everything yeah, at the time. Oh, oh, my gosh, yes. I think I saw some poster at a guitar store somewhere that had a list of every single brand that Samick was producing for. And it basically illustrated that they were producing for like ninety percent of yeah. the brand. Oh, brands absolutely, in the world. Yeah. absolutely. So if you bought like a, a guitar in the nineties, it was probably a Samic. Yeah, guitar. there was a time where like everything coming out of Korea was either it was either Samic or Court. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, should we move on to topics? Uh, yeah, we're we gonna run. So we got uh, yeah. we're gonna run that thing from Adam, or. Uh, yeah, we got we I in uh, on our Facebook group. I did a call out for uh, topics uh, a week ago before episode twenty six, and I mentioned that if people wanted to, they could record little editorials and send them to yeah. us, and we play them in the show. And uh, Adam Roher uh, sent us a little editorial, and we think it's really neat. So we're gonna play it right now, and when it's done playing, we'll come back and we're we're gonna discuss. Yeah. Hey guys, Adam Rohr here. I just wanted to talk for a minute about about why it is that we play music and um, what is it inside of us that makes us have to do this. I think that myself, along with many others, pick up the guitar as a teenager in order to pick up chicks. But uh, now I'm married, and I've been married for nine years, and I have three kids and another one on the way, and I struggle with it. Every time that I'm driving home, two hours, two-hour drive home from a bar at 2.30 in the morning, and I get paid 200 bucks for a gig, why in the world am I doing this? And I think that the answer is because I can't not do it. I've tried not to do it in my adult life. There have been times where I'd be like, well, it'd be... It'd be much easier not to be a musician. I wouldn't have to worry about how much I, I wouldn't have to worry about how much I suck compared to other people. I wouldn't have to sacrifice the time away from my family to do gigs. And the fact of the matter is that it's just something I think that's inside of a lot of people. That, I mean, I guess this probably has to do with it being a creative outlet, and that. I can't not express myself through music, and it sounds so hokey, and I know that, but that's just my two cents on the subject. It's something that I've struggled with in the past. Currently, I, I'm, I've toned down playing in bands, and, I'm, and I've been playing in my church and leading worship in church, and, and that's a whole other thing, but that has been very fulfilling for me. Um, as a musician, it's made me a much better guitarist, but also creatively, because when I'm leading worship, I get to pick the songs, I get to pick the arrangements, etc. But anyway, love the podcast, guys. Keep doing what you do. Well said, Adam. That's a that's a that was a neat treat for Taurus to find in the inbox. I'd like to you know have more people record little things at home like that and send it to us. Uh, yeah, there's for- some really interesting points in there. Really interesting kind of outlook on like stuff that I relate to, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like if you've got something that you think would be a good fit for the podcast, I mean, it, it's cool to listen to what we have to say, but if you have something that you feel like is a good contribution, yeah. Um, I mean, most of us have some form of recording equipment at home. Yeah. Even if you're just doing it on your phone, like phone recorders are great these days. I think eventually we may try to set up some kind of Google voice account uh that you guys can call into. That'd be cool. um, And then we can take those recordings and and answer questions that way. But um, if you have something where this, I mean, this was almost like an opinion piece. Yeah. A short opinion piece put out there. 
Um, for really, me, did go, you did you get into music for the girls? Uh. I imagine that I had some sort of fantasy that that would help with girls, but it, you know, you find out very quickly. That, well, I did anyways. That it doesn't actually. <laughs> what I, what I found out very quickly is is that guitar doesn't get girls. Singing is what gets girls. Well, that's true. Yeah. So, so it's, it's guys who can sing real nice and play guitar are the ones who the, the girls fawn over a little bit. Like if you if you're just a guy at the party uh, trying to you know play like riffs or something girls don't care about that that's true that's true uh but the the, something that i really related to that he said is this where he said that it would be easier to not be a musician (laughs) like i think that really sums up the truth uh for a lot of us who are you know moving into the adult stage of our lives oh yeah we have responsibilities and we have uh, you know, families and careers and other things. There's, you know, been many a time where I'm heading to a gig at nine o'clock on a Tuesday night, and I know I'm not going to get home till one a.m. or whatever. Right. Where I'm like, why am I doing this? Oh, right dude, now? I remember those nights where, like, I would come home when we were doing the morning class thing, and like Melissa would be asleep already, and like Penelope would be asleep already. Uh-huh. And it's like one thirty in the morning or like two in the morning, and I'm like. This is this is a thing. Like everyone else is asleep, like, yeah. and I'm still wired. Like yeah. I'm still on. Like you got to go to I'm sleep. On, I'm and on then that wake adrenaline up for work. rush. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I never really. I don't feel like I actually ever got into music for like the girls thing. I don't. Um, I, I don't think I did. Um, but the, well, there was definitely a point. Like, so I don't think I ever. I don't think I got it. Well, I didn't get into music for the girls. But there was definitely a point once I got to a certain level where I was like, hey, I think this is cool. Right. How I can bet, I use this to get girls? I bet other people will think this sure, is sure. cool. I, I and if those like... other people are girls, <laughs> double bonus. I feel like I remember the moment kind of, or at least the feeling of the moment where I wanted to play guitar. So I think I was watching a friend who had just picked up the guitar right learning to play something and i watched him doing what he was doing and it just clicked where i was like i could do that yeah i want to yeah. try to do that and my family had an old guitar laying around and i just i started to pick it up and try to figure it out on my own because i saw someone else at the beginning stages you know doing the beginning of learning and i saw that i could do that too right right for me um I took guitar lessons when I was 12, uh-huh. and um, among my assorted collection of guitars, I have this like 1955 or 1957, somewhere in there. It's a 1950s um, Harmony Archtop Acoustic, uh-huh. and it was my grandmother's, and she gave it to me um, again like when I was 12 or like 11 or something. And so I took these guitar lessons at like the Chula Vista Rec Center, which is like Chula Vista, the city of Chula Vista is like personal YMCA. Kind right, of thing. right. So it's, you know, your local city's rec center. They yeah. had, they had guitar center or we have guitar a, center. They had guitar lessons. We have a rec center here where yeah. I took like pottery classes when I was right. a kid. Exactly. Same yeah. sort of deal. I did that for a summer and I was like 12 and the, every song that they, we were learning was like, I don't know. It was just stuff that I wasn't into. It was like trying to learn sheet music or whatever. And I wanted sure. to play songs. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, we're going to learn this song called, you know, Yankee Doodle. <laughs> Mel Bay and, stuff. Uh, yeah, like it was the Mel Bay stuff. And um, I just really wasn't into it. It was like notes and whatever. There were a couple. There were like some cool things I took from that. Um, but... I basically I put the guitar down after after that and like it didn't help that the action was ridiculously high on this guitar. Yeah. I put it down and like two years I think two years later, um, maybe three years later, I was at like a church camp, like and I got really into like the worship music that we were doing at this that they were doing at this church camp. I was like watching the guy who was leading the music and I was like He's just playing chords. Like you yeah. don't I don't need any of this theory, like not theory. I don't need to know how to read music. No. I don't need to know how to read music to play music. 
Yeah. I can just play chords. You don't and need to that play was... anything beyond the fourth fret. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that was... So that was like when I went home and I was like, I can play, learn all of these songs in the first position, sure. which was like the only position I could play on on this ultra high, yeah, high fret <laughs> or ultra high action acoustic anyway. And after I like sludged on that for a few months, like my parents bought me like a newer acoustic that was like in really great condition. And it's actually, uh, if you were an early listener to the podcast is this is this, the acoustic that my parents bought me when I was like 14 or 15 is the acoustic that I still use for my uh, youth group uh, that I lead, the Mitchell. Nice. Um, the one that I modded recently. So, I mean, it's a great guitar. The action is held great. The neck is super uh-huh. straight. Um, and it's just played really great. So that's why I got into it. And actually, the girl's angle is funny because you always think like, you always think of like playing music. Well, I don't want to say you always, but like when you're a teenager, you think like playing music is like, girls will be like oh he's in the band that's cool right when i was a senior in high school uh we played our last like as a youth group band we had two or three seniors and we had like a senior night Uh uh-huh and we played it and we invited a bunch of our friends that used to go to the youth group that weren't we're like hey come out like come hang out like it'll be really cool it's our last night that we're ever doing this um and uh you know, like, you know, because I don't know, whatever. And one of the girls that we invited that used to go to the youth group and like stopped and we're like, come on, you got to come back. Like it's, it's senior night. Uh-huh. After we did the worship set at, or I guess it was at the end of youth group and we were like, at, but we did like a block set, like kind of like what we do at church. Like you do a couple songs at the beginning, a couple songs at the end. Uh-huh. She comes up to me and goes, goes, I just thought watching you playing the guitar was so sexy. Oh my gosh. And I was like. Okay. Um, <laughs> Steve's blushing right now. Yeah, that's from this. But, uh, that's from the uh, from the drink from a couple beers. But, uh, it was just bizarre because I was like, "Wait, like you weren't ready for it?" No, because you're do- like you you want to do it. Like like I said, there's this angle of like you're doing church music as a teenager because. Yeah, you want to do it, in, and it's important, and it's it's a it's a talent that you have. Sure, it's a way uh, to serve. It's a way to express. It's a way to serve, and those are the reasons you're doing it. And you want to do music, and your thought process is while I'm playing this song, like people are focused on the song. Sure. So when somebody comes up to you after the song and says, "Like you look so sexy playing the guitar during the during youth group tonight," you're just like, "Wait, like." were you singing the songs that I was playing? Right. Or were you just looking at me? <laughs> this just got really awkward. Right. Who, who were you worshiping during the yeah, worship service? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I was maybe like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, I really don't remember what yeah. my reaction was. I just remember feeling like, wait, what? Like, yeah. um, what? I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that, uh, and I don't want to dwell on this, this portion of the topic for much longer, but I'm sure, for for some guitarists, like the way they play guitar does do something for some people, but I think generally across the board, it more has to do with if you learn to play an instrument and you l- learn how to have a stage presence and how and you're out there performing, the confidence that that gives you, and the fact that you're on a stage is the thing that makes you attractive to okay. the person of your preferred I'm gonna gender. I'm going to throw this scenario out there just to extend this topic. We're playing together tomorrow. Uh-huh. If after the service, some random person comes out of the congregation, says, says I don't know you, but I just want you to know that you looked so sexy oh playing guitar today. What would you say? I'd be like, finally, someone's being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, I've watched you play guitar for sure. years. No one's ever going to say no, that to no. you. The greatest compliment I've ever gotten, I got after a show like a, a bunch of months back. Someone came up to me and they're like, you play guitar like an asshole. And that, <laughs> what? And I knew exactly what he meant and he was so excited and I was so excited and it was like the greatest compliment I've ever gotten. <gasps> I don't even know what that means. I knew exactly what it meant. Like All I right. just don't know Let's how to describe it. Let's not get into it. it. Let's, if you understand what that meant, then... <laughs> 
<laughs> you are a more nuanced person than I am. Uh, uh, but yeah, what do you think about the you know the portion of of Adam's little editorial here that you know why do we keep doing this into our adulthood when there doesn't seem to be you know that much of a reward and there seems to be a lot of time and a lot of masochism masochism you think just uh self-punishment okay um no uh you know i don't know i i can't put my i can't necessarily put my finger on the pulse of it but i definitely know like uh so i took a another you know we like i said ryan and i play worship together at our home church but then i took a worship leading gig I've talked about this before on the podcast. I took a worship playing gig at another church like three and a half months ago. And uh, it's really small. It's just for youth group. But I did it because, um, I don't know, there's something about like you're playing music and you want... when For me, like hearing like, oh, this group doesn't have music and it's been like eight months since they've had music. Like I was like, someone needs to give these kids music. Yeah. And like I used to go to this, uh, the church I'm working at, I used to uh, go there and that was... I had a really like a, a lot of great times when I was doing music there before and I was like, you know, I, I can do this. Like I'm semi free on a Sunday night. Like let's, uh, sure. I'll do it, whatever. Uh huh. And, um, uh, so I kind of just got into it and, and, you know, it's funny because people actually, people ask me from time to time, like, don't you miss playing in a band? And doing like original music, but I never I wrote bass parts, and I wrote the like I wrote guitar parts for the original bands I've been in, but I never uh-huh. wrote songs. So I've never had like the songwriter drive. I just had like the the uh, uh, I've always thought of myself as like an arranger. Gotcha. As like as like an as like a producer editor sure. arranger when it comes to music. So I never can come up with musical concepts. But you can help but, polish the turds. But yeah, but when somebody gives me a turd, I'm like, well, let's put a, like a breakdown here. Let's put a guitar solo here, and let's like maybe this can be something awesome. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of always been my angle. So in that sense, like worship music has really been like a really good niche for me to sit in, sit, uh, jump into because the songs are already written. All I have to do is apply my personal style to sure. it. Um, and in some ways that sounds really shallow, but like, I really appreciate the thought process that a lot of these songwriters go into from like a lyrical standpoint, because like, I can't write a poem. Like if, if somebody said like, here's a gun, here's a poetry book, (laughs) you write an awesome poem or kill yourself. I'm going to be like, Oh, uh, gun book, gun book. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to even try to like, it's like, you can shoot yourself with the gun, but if you write a poem that sucks, like we're going to kill you on the rack. Like we're going to stretch you out. This is intense. I might grab the gun. Like, cause I know my, I'm not like, I'm not a writer. Right. Right. I'm a blog writer. I'm not a songwriter, but no matter what in this scenario, write something because you're going to be famous for it. People yeah, are, people are gonna be like, he wrote this poem and then he died on the rack, or he shot himself. What after if it was like in. some twisted mobster? So like, I still died unknown because <sighs> it was like because the mobster took the poem and was like, this sucks, and he burned it in the fire. This is like the worst Batman villain ever. <laughs> You're gonna write me a poem, or I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I am Batman. What what would be the name of that Batman villain? Like, what's the name of a poet, Shakespeare poet writer? He would be Shakespeare. That would be his name, but with emphasis on spear. Yeah, Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, he'd have some kind of like literary name. Yeah, like I don't know, but it, it would be something the like scribe the, or something like the that. scribe. Yeah. I like it. Like some because <laughs> you know if he's if he's the scribe, then he can always come back. Right. <laughs> Maybe he can. Oh, he probably have. Some, you know what? They're pretty cheesy with that stuff. They'd probably go with something combo like dark and poetic. So his name would be like Poe Shakespeare. Right. Right. Yeah. Ralph Waldo Shakespeare. Yeah. Be someone who was delusional and thought that they were. Yeah. You know, a historical poet. Or like Shakespeare would be his first name, and his name would be like Shakespeare Dickinson. Right. <laughs> right. This is getting stupid. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to the original topic, for me, I feel like 
why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep going and playing shows that take so much time? I have to spend all this time writing songs and getting merch together and doing all the promotion and stuff like that. And it's just like, I, I don't know if I can say why, but I can come up with reasons why I enjoy it, I guess. Well, you still have songs to write, so you yeah, want to write them. I feel like I do still have songs to write, but then it, there's, there's something more than that, because if it was just about songwriting, I could do that at home. I could just write the songs and record them. Well, you can, there's but, something but a, do you want to play bass? Do you want to play drums? No, but the, I could... I could just be a recording band and just have people come record. Yeah. There's something about the stage that I need to be on the stage from time to time. Right. And I get that itch where if I haven't played a show in a month or two, it's like I got to get on a stage. Right. Well, I, I got to get in front of an audience. I don't know what it's, it's, it's an addiction, I guess. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I think it all comes down to hobbies. You know, tons of people into their adulthood have hobbies. Some guys have, you know, model trains in their basement. Some guys, you know, they go fishing or whatever. Like, I think guitarists are just a huge American hobby. Right. No, I mean, it's definitely true. I, I, I definitely think, like, a lot of people... There's definitely people that are like, oh, I've got a song... And they're they're always going at it with the idea that like their next song is going to be the million dollar song. Sure, but I think there's a lot of guys that just feel like they have something to express. And I I remember, um, I don't remember if this is when the Morning Glass was still going, or maybe it was after we kind of like after Penelope was born, things slowed way down. We were still playing, practicing, and playing shows every once in a while, but uh-huh. like things just got busy for all of us. But I remember, like I said, I don't remember if it was during or after, um, that Adam came to me and was like, he's like, I'm really glad like you guys did the morning glass because I feel like Ryan still has a lot of music, like has yeah. a lot of songs that, to write. And uh, so, I mean, some people, like, like I said, for me, like I don't, I've never tried to work at the craft of writing, so I've never felt like I had anything to write. Uh-huh. So I've never had like a big drive to be in a band, though I think that if I wasn't doing like I play softball like at least like I play softball like one night a week. Uh-huh. Uh you're pretty much year round. We're on my, my league is on break right now, but I pretty much play at least one or two nights a week year round. And if I think if I wasn't doing that, I'd probably be doing and if I wasn't doing like youth ministry, like I have I don't do original music sure because i have because while music is a passion for me i have bigger passions right that i've replaced music with in a sense sure like if that makes sense yeah so it's like it's just prioritization and maybe like when i i I have a feeling when i'm older and like i'm not able to do some of the things i'm doing now that i'm probably gone yeah when my knees are gone i'm gonna (laughs) no when my knees are gone i'm gonna play first base uh (laughs) uh, but like yeah when i'm older and like i maybe i can't do some of the same stuff especially with like you know who wants a 50 year old youth group worship leader right uh that maybe i'm probably gonna be in like a beatles cover band you're going to be in a Jimmy Eat World cover band. Oh my, dude, if there's a Jimmy Eat World cover band in 20 years, sign me up. Yeah, you're going to be on it. I would be all over that. <laughs> oh my, that actually sounds... I want a former Jimmy Eat World cover band right now. Yeah, I just saw your eyes light up so hard. That's the. I've never thought about that before. <laughs> and once you threw that out, I was like, wait, that's kind of genius. Yeah, that could be a thing. Okay. That could definitely be a thing. You could go play uh, the casinos on the weekend or something. <laughs> Dude, I bet if you took a Jimmy World cover band, if you were good and you took a Jimmy World cover band to like the soda bar, uh-huh. people would be all over that. Oh man, I don't know. Oh, dude. <laughs> all of those emo kids from like 2001 would be yeah. all showing up. I was watching uh, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids the other night, and I had the thought that it would be fun to put together a cover band that covered all uh, TV and movie themes. Remember that band we played with called uh, Brought? Was it Brought to You by Gene? Yeah, where they did all Disney they're covers. All, they're a Disney cover band. Yeah, that was a great band. First, but how I, stoked would you be if you went to some bar just to hang out, and then the band started playing the theme song to Honey I Shrunk the Kids, <laughs> or the theme song to you know like some other movie that you loved as a kid? It's tough now though because so many television shows are doing like um, they do like thirty second little. Parts. Well, some of it is a, like. 
I mean, it goes both ways. So I'm thinking like on the one hand, Big Bang Theory does uh, the theme song for Big Bang Theory is uh, they might be or no, it's Bare Naked Ladies. Okay. They did an original song that they wrote just for uh, Big Bang Theory. But then I think of like all the CSIs that are just like the who. Yeah. But then like you can you can there's certain things that have, you know, songs that stand out like you could do like everything is by somebody. But sure. you could do like a modern thing you could do is you could do like a take on the Dexter theme. Right. Or you could do. Uh, do you think somewhere there's a Danny Elfman cover band? Oh, I'm sure. That, like, oh, I'm, no, there's, there's Oingo Boingo cover bands. No, I'm, I'm saying like. You mean Oingo, like, like Danny Elfman, his movie stuff? Yeah. So like there's a band that like covers Oingo Boingo and covers every Tim Burton movie. Right. Like just to get like well, you'd some non Oingo Boingo Danny Elfman. Start getting pretty frustrated at that show because he'd be like, "Oh, all these songs are kind of the same, aren't they?" <laughs> <laughs> Edward Scissorhands is sounding a lot like uh, like this song from another movie. <laughs> Wait, you mean you didn't love Charlie and Charlie Factory? Think uh, about think about if you had to cover all of the all of the Oompa Loompa songs from Charlie and the Charlie oh Factory. Oh my gosh. Something I, I guess there's a there's a pretty good variety in his catalog. Let's be honest. Something I didn't know about that movie I, that I never realized um, is that this, this is so random. This is so maybe not random. It's so off topic. Uh, so Danny Elfman's soundtrack for Charlie and Chocolate Factory, at least with the Oompa Loompa songs, they're all progressive. So the first song in there is like kind of this 50s, 60s doo-wop. Uh-huh. And then the next song is like so they're progressive by yeah the, era of I think genre. The, I think the next one was like a disco song uh-huh. and then the next one was like um like kind of this hippie psychedelic song which I realized that's a little flipped and then the last one is like an 80s song like right. an 80s hair metal well, they, song they all at least cover different genres yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah, I, I I never really noticed that I was watching a, a YouTube channel that this guy does that does reviews and stuff. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, this is way off topic. Yeah, we're way off topic, and that's when we know that this show is pretty much at the end. Oops. <laughs> uh, Are we really at the end? Are we good? Yeah, basically, we're at fifty-seven minutes. All right, cool. What are we doing for music this week? Uh, we got a song from uh, Adam Powell, our good friend. Oh, let me uh, let me f- uh, wrap but, this but, up. But thanks, thanks, uh, Adam Rohr. Yeah, for... I was gonna say uh, thanks to Adam Rohr. Um, I'm totally cutting you off. Yeah, go for it. Whatever. Though. Yeah, I don't care. Um, if you guys again, if you guys have like something, I, what was this? Like a minute and a half, two minutes? I think it was like two minutes. Yeah. Even. If you've got something that like you feel like is pertinent that we would throw on there, I can't guarantee we'll put it on. Like if you're illiterate and we can't understand what you're saying. Yeah. As long as the, um, the recording quality is, is somewhat okay. And we can understand like, you didn't like wake up at like three o'clock in the morning and record yeah. something sloppily. And hey, Ryan, Steve, <laughs> I got this idea. <laughs> What if you're a Kiss cover band but you dress like you were in the polyphonic spree? Oh my gosh! Um, but, but you know, it would be neat if we had listeners every now and then sending in little editorials, and you could even go crazy with the editing, do like some sort of Radio Lab thing where you put your own music Radio back there Lab. or something. Yeah, uh, or you go simple like this, like like we put out the call that people could do this, and Adam sent this to us. While we were recording last week's episode. Yeah, literally within an hour. Yeah, within an hour. And then we're recording this week's episode, you know, after that because we do two at a time. So we got it within an hour that he busted out this this quick little thing. And we get to play it and it gives us this great topic. Yeah, so um, we're going to play the song now from... uh, That was a terrible sentence. Yeah. Uh, we're going to play a song that Adam Powell sent us. It's yeah. called Lelia Song. Did he send any notes with it? Uh, he said it's off of his newest group of recordings. Yeah. And it's actually funny. When we previewed this song, uh, this was one of the songs a couple months ago. I got to play with Adam. Uh, he did a he did like a solo act show, but he brought in a brought in a full band that wasn't his normal band at the time. And uh, so when I first heard it, I was like, wait, this is an old song. Um <laughs> But uh, it hasn't been released, and it's really cool. It's a really great song. Um, and, uh, yeah. Hope you guys enjoy it. Do we want to promo, like, the story behind the song at all? If you want to. 
Um, I can't pronounce it. Uh, but so the girl the song is about has um, a genetic. I don't know what you would call it. She's just born a little different, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, it's called arthrogryposis multi-something, multi-something. Didn't or, they have some other phrase that they were trying to They want to call it Hall's Contractors. Yeah. If you, but if you look up, AM, I think if you look up like AMC um, genetic or something, it'll come up. It's it's a really interesting, I say interesting because I work in science and so things like this are interesting. It's, yeah. a, it's a really rare uh, genetic disorder. I guess disorder would be yeah. the right word. I mean, basically she is born without certain muscle groups and yeah. with her joints being... Uh, uh, kind of tied up funny yeah and this is a girl she's what like six that all of us ryan and i and adam and our families um have known since oh yeah since she was born really and uh so this is a song i guess that really um i think resonates with the two of us sure two and two of us uh pretty heavily um and there's always i know my wife anytime um that there is some kind of like charity that's trying to work it without them. My wife like scrounges some money together that we can help them out. Sure. Um, cause they do a lot. Her family does a lot of work with, yeah. with this. Yeah. So listen to the song, do some research. Uh, we'll probably post some links up when sure. this, when this podcast goes live. So you guys can get some more information. Um, it's like I said, it's really, I feel like w- saying that it's really interesting trivializes it but it, i mean because it's serious right um it's serious and it's rare and it's something that i think that um you know people just don't know about so i guess this is our little awareness and um enjoy the song it's a great song yeah. I, I, I like i said i played this to adam and i and i had a really great time doing it so cool here we go here's a song all right great episode see you yep. next week guys peace out Takes the tallest type of person to crawl about my feet Show me wonder in the smallness around me Freaking out so hard on my living room floor And laughing afterwards just crying out Those days are over, but to me you'll always be A twisted little heater nuzzled up to my heartbeat And my heart beats Never said the experts built so tall It'll take a little time for me to figure which is bigger Your mouth, your mind, or your heart It makes the things I think are special about you feel a little trivial When every single move you make is a miracle